Welcome to another episode of our Source Podcast and it's our week in review. Another week has flown by. My name is Michael Crutcher and I'm joined by Jordan McDonald. Jordan, welcome. Hi, Michael. Another week and it seems as though we're talking about Facebook again. So Facebook has been in the news again all week. Jordan, I'll throw to you to give us an explanation of what's this latest story involving Facebook. Yes, another week of bad news for Facebook. What's happened is a, uh, an ex-employee of Facebook's come forward and presented this case two days ago to Congress um, with uh, tens of thousands of these internal Facebook documents which pretty much paint this picture the that uh, Facebook is more concerned about astronomical profits than it is the safety of its users. Uh, and it's a big deal that she's come forward. We, we saw last month that the Wall Street Journal did a, an extensive report on Facebook and they called it the Facebook Files. And those files were, those stories were written uh, off the back of documents they had received from an anonymous ex-employee of Facebook. Um, this lady, Frances Haugen, is actually that anonymous source. This, this is the, I guess, the next step. We discussed this one a couple of weeks ago mm. about the Facebook files and this just takes it up another level, doesn't it, with more information? It does. It does certainly take it up to another level, especially now that she's revealed herself. Um, and it's her testimony is significant because she uh, is a former product manager hired by Facebook. So she was initially brought on to help protect, protect against election interference um, but she specialises in designing the algorithms and the other tools that, that determine what sort of content gets distributed uh, and served to users. So she has a very good understanding of how the, the platform works. Um, and so all these documents that she's obtained and sequentially she's done this over a long period of time to supply enough that there'd be no doubt. Um, it uh, just time and time again indicates that at times of conflict, uh, where there's Facebook's conflicted between the profits and the safety of its users, it's always going for the profits. And that was part of that issue that the Facebook files and the Wall Street Journal found, wasn't it? Things like Facebook knowing that its products were sometimes harmful to teenage girls, for instance, but not seeing to do much about that. When they changed their algorithm uh, a few years ago to promote friends and family, as was publicised, but then... It became more toxic from that as uh, as the the news feed changed to adapt to that. But what was your main take out of this week, given um, the publicity and the, the fairly strident commentary before Congress? What's your main take out of where, where Facebook stands at the moment? Um, I think my main takeaway was just uh, how clear uh, Miss Haugen was that the astronomical profits was the main focus of Facebook and just the continued sort of ignorance of Facebook when it comes to safety. She spoke for about three hours in front of Congress and was shared numerous stories of experiences where she witnessed that taking place. So that sort of became the overarching point of the whole thing. And I think that was, that had to be the main takeaway from all of it. There was an interesting piece today I think it was in the uh, was it the Times or was it the Journal that uh, spoke about looking at these uh, the the testimony under a different lens. It was a New York Times piece, yeah. Yeah, and it sort of it spoke about it in a way that maybe Facebook isn't the juggernaut it's commonly referred to. Perhaps this is the start of the end. 
Yeah, I took a lot out of that piece as a New York Times piece that was also run here in the Financial Review. And I guess the main part about that is that Facebook's come through as this juggernaut that has mm. really come in and is bold over the traditional media in particular. And traditional media struggled to deal with it. Mm. But now Facebook is now the one that's being challenged and the TikToks and the Snapchats and others. Um, and the point of that piece, which actually does resonate quite well because it's behaviour we have seen before with the traditional media who, first of all, sort of didn't know what to do with Facebook, um, hoped it went away, when it didn't go away, it uh, the traditional media changed the way they were doing things. There is a similar pattern here now and Facebook has got to change its mindset in the sense that it's been the king and grown so quickly and now it's having to try and defend itself against challenges and challenges who are getting the type of users who are much more valuable for advertisers. They're, they're mm. the ones advertisers want. Facebook feels so it's... It's losing its grasp. Mm. And here's when then the challenge becomes for Facebook. Well, how do we counter? But how do we counter in a way that is, I guess you use the word ethical for want of a better term, but this is becoming so prevalent now and lots of research and feedback from consumers. Consumers want to know more and more, more than they ever have, that what uh, companies are doing is well-meaning and um, is ethically sourced or the behaviour is good. I know ethical sourcing is a bit different at times, but essentially they want to know that companies behaving um, w with, with decency and not driving themselves purely on profit. And that's where I think Facebook's got a massive challenge. Yeah, she, she did make a comment about that. She said the transparency... Uh, with Facebook is just it's not there and it's a real problem. I think that's another point that she uh, really tried to make. She said, unless you work in Facebook, you have no idea how it operates. Um, so, yeah, that was another great point she made. And I think one other point, uh, referring to your initial question of one of the takeaways, um, one thing I really noticed is that the people in Congress and those who are investigating these allegations and looking to, to introduce new laws, they're a lot smarter now. And a few years ago when this was all sort of starting, they weren't even sure how Facebook made money. And now they're asking very good questions about the algorithm and why they're now targeting kids as young as eight. So it's, it's definitely ramping up. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, knowledge has definitely improved over the years, mm. especially for some of the politicians who, for them, it's quite foreign. But, yeah. um, talking about that, uh, the way the traditional media behaved when Facebook came in and things changed. There's still those ongoing changes in um, in media, not so much traditional media now, but in, in mainstream media, I guess. And one of those I wanted to talk about in the Week in Review is what I call the rise in the one-source story. So that is uh, stories that have only one source uh, as a point of, uh, of truth, if you like, and usually it's an anonymous source. Um, there's a proliferation of these stories around lately and you'll see them regularly. There's been plenty in recent times and that can be one person anonymously complaining about something and that generates a story. I can give you examples of that with, for instance, you'll have a school where a, an, an unnamed parent will make allegations of why the school is doing bad work, etc., um, despite what the maybe the, 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 the wider story is. Um, in any parts of things, it's, it's the rise of the one-source story. Now, 
I'm making the observation because it's happening more and more. And the reason it's happening more and more is because the drive to get online clicks for mainstream media outlets is really important. Mm -hmm. And again, it's the Facebook profit against the Facebook decency type of thing. I always think that the the criteria for judging a media outlet is not just on the stories it publishes, it's on the stories it doesn't publish. To me, that is equally as important as to what makes for good good media. it's often readers and viewers and listeners don't actually see or they don't see. They don't know the, the stories that didn't make it and they didn't make it because they didn't meet the news judgments of those media organisations. I think now those judgments are getting, you know, a bit less because you can put up these one-source stories and away they go with traffic and they generate traffic and they generate um, emotion from people um, so, unfortunately, it's with us and it will stay with us for a long time. But you would see these things, Jordan, on social media and the way they generate uh, reaction from people. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, it alludes to the, the Facebook file thing again where, you know, with that decreased engagement, you know, they started forcing more provocative content into the into newsfeed to generate that engagement they were losing. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, that engage, that sort of content is what you know, encourages those reactions and that interaction with the platform and getting into the arguments with the other readers who are just as emotionally involved, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, you know, some people have said, uh, you know, it's not right. Now, whether or not it's right or not, it is what is happening now. And so it's going to be around for a bit longer. I've got two words to say to you, Jordan. Um, Squid game. Squid games. I keep hearing about squid. Can you talk about it? Yeah, I can tell you a little bit about it. So it's uh, it's completely taken over Netflix and all the streaming platforms. It's a it's a Korean drama slash horror series. It's about a battle royale conducted using uh, children's games. Funnily enough, um, I compare it something similar to Hunger Games in a sense. Um, so it's it's it was released on September seventeenth. It became an instant sensation. Uh, rocketed straight to the top of Netflix most viewed releases uh, and then you know from rocketing to the top the social media commentary starts and it's spread like wildfire memes music everything I keep hearing about it uh, I know nothing about it but I do understand that it um, doesn't have any English in it it's in Korean is that correct yeah so it was, it was originally filmed in Korean um, but part of what I think's made it so popular, is how accessible it's become. So the la- the the series allows for thirty seven subtitles. Yeah, so it's it's widely accessible all over the world. Yeah, so is that going to be on your uh, list of things to watch this weekend? We'll come back to that. But for the amount of, I guess, new products coming on or new shows coming on to streaming services, um, there's been this one comes from nowhere and all of a sudden everyone's watching it but maybe there is something that might put a little temporary hold in that because there is a strike threat at the moment in the US where um, the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees has got um, TV uh, makers on the run with the possibility of a strike. They want better conditions. Uh, One of those things they want is a 10-hour turnaround between shifts. I mean, Mm. the, the... the, the rush to get content out uh, 
continues to grow and the threat of some sort of strike, and this has happened in years gone by, but the threat grows. So could we have maybe a delay in what we're going to see coming through all these streaming services? Yeah, possibly. It's looking that way. I mean, I know that they've agreed on the 10-hour the turnaround, but from what else I've read, it's, it's still a ways off actually making a, a complete agreement between, the, between the, the studios and the union there. Yeah, And it probably shows too the importance now of actually getting this uh, content to air. I mean, the, the competition via YouTube and into the streaming services is so great that uh, these types of things can put a bit of a hold on. And we saw that, I mean, I think a lot of people, uh, especially those in the media industry, are waiting for uh, Series 3 of Succession, <laughs> which starts in two weeks. But that's been held up, of course, by COVID. So we had a delay uh, there. Course. We could have a, um, another delay here. So is there one thing uh, you can recommend for streaming on the weekend if someone has some spare time? Well, I've already binged Squid Games. So I've turned to another show on Netflix called Turning Point. It looks at 9-11. Um, it's a five-part docu-series, but it goes real in-depth and has fantastic footage and photography that I've not seen prior. Uh, and actually has some fantastic interviews, even with some of the people who were members of parliament in uh, Afghanistan at the time uh, and dealing with the Taliban and al-Qaeda. It's uh, fascinating, really, really interesting. Okay, I will uh, put that on my list then, uh, <laughs> but it will be after this weekend because it's a big weekend for one of our clients. Yes, it is. The North Devils, the Mighty North Devils, who are in the Intra Super Cup Grand Final against Winner Manly Seagulls. That'll be live on uh, ABC Radio and Channel 9 on the weekend. And the 55 Comms jersey on the back of uh, the Devils jersey. And we wish all the Devils guys the very best of luck for this weekend. Indeed. Good luck. See you next time.